Good morning, Radius. I was hoping this morning we could have a candid conversation, if you will. Uh, We find ourselves in Psalm 73, and it really is a great psalm as the psalmist, his name is Asaph, is giving us a peek inside his heart and really the turmoil that's inside his heart. And I really think this is so appropriate for the time that we are in right now. Because I think if we were all honest, we could all say that there's been some turmoil in our hearts and in our lives over the last several months. I mean, think about the turmoil some people have experienced, like seniors, for example. Those seniors in high school that didn't get to finish out their senior year. There was turmoil inside them as they they wanted to finish their spring sports. They they wanted to graduate the way way that they had seen in years past. They, they wanted to do all of those festivities without the, the overhang of COVID-19. I think about those of us in in turmoil as some of us were furloughed. Others of us saw a a decrease in our pay by 20% or more. Some of us even lost our jobs. Many of us had to wrestle with what it looks like to to do e-learning. And it looks like that's what we'll be facing again this fall. A lot of turmoil on top of the fact that those of us who value church and our relationship with Jesus Christ, that that doesn't look the same in this time, turmoil, lots of it. And so as I thought about this morning, I just really wanted us to have a candid conversation and ask, where are you at? How is the turmoil in your heart? And so we're going to read the first 16 verses of Psalm 73. And and as we do it, I want you to listen for this turmoil. I want you to listen to Asaph as as he talks about just the angst that he is facing. He says this in verse one, he says, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. But as for me, my feet almost slipped, my steps nearly went astray. For I envied the arrogant and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. They have an easy time until they die and their bodies are, are well fed. They are not in trouble like others. They are not afflicted like most people. Therefore, pride is their necklace and violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge out from fatness. Their imaginations of their hearts run wild. They mock and they speak maliciously. They arrogantly threaten oppression. They set their mouths against heaven and their tongues strut across the earth. Therefore, his people turn to them and drink in their overflowing words. The wicked say, how can God know? And does the most high know everything? Look at them, the wicked, they're always at ease and they increase in their wealth. Did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. If I had decided to say these things aloud, I would have betrayed your people. And when I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. Do you see the turmoil? Do you see the the angst that he is feeling? As we think through this season of life we're in, and, and maybe I'm just feeling it, but I guarantee you there's some of you who are watching right now feeling, yeah, I've got some turmoil, I've got some angst, I've got some, I've got some things that are going inside of me that I'm trying to wrestle with, some discouragement even. So let's take a look at it again. 
He says this in verse two, but as for me, my feet almost slipped, my steps nearly went astray. Now that gives us a lot here to chew on. When we think about our feet, we think about foundation. We think about a base. We think about how important it is for our feet to be on solid ground, for equilibrium, for us to be able to do the things we need to do, to basics like walking or running, jumping, much less athletic things like throwing a ball or catching or, or potentially dancing. Your feet are absolutely crucial. That's why coaches say things like work on your footwork or get your feet under you, work on your base, get in an athletic position. The reason is because you want your feet secure. So if that is the foundation for how we are physically, he's using this as a metaphor to talk about our spiritual life. And so what is the foundation of our spiritual life? What would cause our, our spiritual life to slip? And this is it. He says, this is like our beliefs. The foundation of our spiritual life is our beliefs, our theology, our doctrine. And you may not use doctrine or theology, but you do have values. You do have beliefs that you have in God. And Asaph is saying this, my beliefs, what I believe to be true about God, I was starting to slip. Matter of fact, in verse one, he tells you what that basic theology was. He says, God is indeed good to Israel, to the pure in heart. It's this basic theological statement, this belief that he knows is true in his head. But what he's telling you is, I'm not sure I believe it in my heart because something has happened. And I wonder for us, something has happened to shake our beliefs, to make it feel like our theology is a little shaken, to make us wonder if God, you really are good. If God, you really are in control. If God, you really are out for my best. If God, you really are holy and sovereign and good. So that's what he's after. So the question is why? Why does he feel like his his belief is shaken. His doctrine is shaken. Well, as you read through it, he tells you this in verse three. He says, for I envied the arrogant and I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And the rest of these few verses all the way through 16, he is looking at people who are prospering. He is looking at people who have wealth. He is looking at people who have a following, who have people that are listening to them, who have influence. And he's looking at them and saying, I want to be like them. I'm envious of them. I want to be like them. I want their wealth. I want their leadership. I want what they have. He says, their imaginations run wild. Their eyes are popping out of their head. They have so much stuff. He says, they wear it like a necklace. Their authority like a necklace. It's like a garment. He says, I want what they have. And he says, but I don't have it. I'm afflicted. I'm, I am, I'm beaten up every day. Here I am trying to do what's right. And these people who are wicked, they're doing what's wrong and yet they're succeeding. And this is what Asaph notices. They're succeeding according to worldly values. Here's why I think sometimes our feet slip, our, our belief in God, our belief in those basic doctrines begin to struggle. Here's the reason is because we are trying to hold on to worldly values 
instead of God's values. And anytime we try to hold on to worldly values, but what happens is, is that is incongruent with what God wants and what God holds high and what God holds dear. And so now we're trying to hold on to these values and love God and it creates turmoil and tension within us. And so therefore we find ourselves with our feet slipping. We want money, we want influence, we want authority, we want our kids to succeed, we want all these worldly values, and we look at other people and we say, they have it, why can't I have it? And then we think, does God really love me? Does God really for me? Does God really want what's best for me? We may not say those words, but we feel those words. We feel that because we're holding these worldly values First John makes it clear that if you love the world, you can't love God. And, and Asaph is battling that now as he looks over these wicked people who want nothing to do with Yahweh, the God of Israel. And he sees them succeeding. Let me give you a couple of other things that, that challenge us and make us have our feet slip a little bit. One of them would be events and circumstances. I mean, think about COVID-19 and all that has happened. For some of you, if you lost a job, this could make your feet slip. If you got a diagnosis you weren't looking for or weren't expecting, you would have your feet slip maybe. Maybe those of us who've lost a loved one unexpectedly, it would cause our feet to slip and we begin to think, God, why is this happening to me? God, why did I lose my spouse? God, why did I lose my job? Why? Did this happen to me? And sometimes events and circumstances cause us to have our feet to slip and we begin to question those basic doctrines. Another one would be sin and the effects of sin like guilt and shame. For example, some of us may be wrestling with an addiction or some hidden sin that we've struggled with for years. And as a result, it causes our feet to slip because every time we do it, we ask this question, God, how could you love me? Look at me, I'm a sinner. I'm hiding, I'm in shame, I'm living a two-faced life. I have the guilt of what I've done. I can't kick this addiction. How can you be good? And our feet are slipping with those basic doctrines. And so as we think through, just candidly, where are you at? Are you holding up these worldly values and they're causing you to have your feet slip because you want these things and you know they're not priorities to God. And so therefore you wonder, God, do you, do you really care? Have you had something tragic happen to you in the last several months or maybe year, and now you're thinking, God, do you really love me? Are you really good? Maybe you're dealing with a sin issue and you question God, God's grace in your life, his patience with you. I sat across the table from a young man just a few weeks ago who through this time has come clean. He has confessed a sin that he's been dealing with ever since he was a teenager and this coming clean, he has seen this new found relationship with God begin to blossom and flourish because he's dealing with that. What are we going to do? Are we going to continue in this disappointment and discouragement? Because if so, it leads to some devastating things. 
it leads to disillusionment. It leads to this point where we are unable to see reality. Look at Asaph as this begins to continue to go further and further. Verse 13, he said, did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? This is disillusionment. He says, I have gone through the rituals. I have done what you've asked me to do. I have obeyed your law and it must be for nothing because the wicked are succeeding. And here I am suffering. It's disillusionment. And then he says this also, he says in verse 14, for I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. He's looking at it and he is disillusioned. Clearly, he is not able to see things correctly. I think that happens with us when we let these disappointments and these discouragements begin to well up. We begin to become disillusioned. And for some of us, disillusionment can take a little bit of a different road. For some of us, when we get disillusioned, we get mad. And you can almost hear a hint of anger in Asaph's words as he questions, why have I done all of this? Why are these wicked people able to oppress others at ease and whenever they want to? Why do they have people following them? You can hear the anger in his voice. But you can also hear a little self-pity because some of us don't get angry and lash out. Some of us close ourselves off and we begin to throw pity parties. We begin to think, why am I like this? In verse 14, he says, I'm afflicted all day long. Every morning I feel pain. And so the danger of being disappointed and the danger of allowing that disappointment to go on to discouragement is that it could lead to disillusionment and we begin to handle things with anger or with self-pity and we, we really just section ourselves away from other people and we try to go it alone. Just again, a candid conversation. Is that you? Has COVID-19 and, and all that's gone with it, has it affected you like that? Do you find yourself in disillusionment right now? Or you, do you find yourself snapping and angry all the time because of some disappointments and discouragement? Do you find yourself trying to isolate and get away from people and constantly living in this pity party of woe is me and all the things that are bad happening to you? Is that you? Can we just be candid? Is it you? Because here's the deal. Psalm 73 doesn't end this way. It actually ends on a high note. And I'm going to read it to you here in a minute. But there are some Psalms that don't end like that. Like Psalm 88, you read it and the entire Psalm is, woe is me, how bad it is for me. Because now the disillusionment doesn't stay a disillusionment. It leads to despair. It leads to depression. It leads to being down and out, incapacitated, unable to do anything else but just want it to end, or as verse 16 says, hopeless. Is that you? We don't want you to be there. We don't want this to go to a hopeless despair, depression state. So I know you might be thinking, well, Russell, how do we change it? How do we get out of that? How do we get control of these discouragements in the middle of these crazy times? Well, let's, let's read. I want to read the rest of the Psalms starting in verse 17. 
He says, until I entered God's sanctuary, then I understood their destiny. Indeed, you put them in slippery places. You make them fall into ruin. How suddenly they become a desolation. They come to an end, swept away by terrors, like one waking from a dream. Lord, when arising, you will despise their image. When I became embittered and my innermost being was wounded, I was stupid and I didn't understand. I was an unthinking animal toward you. Asaph in 21 and 22 recognized I was disillusioned. I was discouraged, but I'm snapping out of it. Verse 23, yet I am always with you. You hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel. And afterwards you will take me up in glory. Who do I have in heaven but you? And I desire nothing on earth but you. You may have heard that verse before and you probably never would have thought the first 16 verses of this Psalm came first. Verse 26, my flesh and my heart may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. Those far from you will certainly perish. You destroy all who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord God my refuge so I can tell all about what you do. Here's how you snap out of it. Here is how we get our feet out of that slippery spot and on the solid ground, a firm foundation. This is how you do it. And it's, it's going to be overly simplistic, but are you ready? You have to take control. You have to take control. You might think, well, Russell, that seems a little opposite of what Asaph said in verse two, when he says, my feet are slipping. And you might even be thinking, yeah, I've tried to roller skate and it's difficult. I've tried to ice skate and you're slipping and you feel out of control and you land in bad spots. Or maybe you've driven your car through a puddle or through water and you feel, felt it hydroplane and you turn the wheel and nothing happens and you feel out of control. But let me be clear, Asaph is not out of control. He is absolutely in control and you are in control too. Your emotions may tell you something different, but you're in control. And let me prove it to you. Look at verse 17. Until I entered God's sanctuary. He says, I entered God's sanctuary. I went into God's sanctuary. I took my feet and I moved them into the presence of God. That's in control. He says, I was slipping until I was discouraged until I was disappointed until I was disillusioned until I went into the sanctuary. And that's what we've got to do. We don't have a temple to run to. Thank goodness we have a relationship with God. And if you've put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit lives within you. You have direct access to God. And so listen to me, you are in control. Go into the sanctuary. Go in, see that God really is good. Taste and see that he is there. 
He's never left you. He's never forsaken you. He has never abandoned you. But sometimes when we feel like he's gone, we decide not to go to the sanctuary. But listen to me, you're in control. Thank you for turning on this video this morning. Thank you for making sure you're a part of worship. You're in control. When we do small groups in a few weeks, you're in control to sign up for that. You're in control to wake up early and read God's word. You're in control to fill out that connect card and let us know how we can pray for you. You're in control to reach out and say, I need some help. Will somebody help me? You're in control and we wanna help you. Will you step in? Will you press in? Will you walk into the presence of God? Will you make the most of this and don't flail about thinking I'm out of control when in reality, you're in control. He says, I went in. Matter of fact, he says it again in verse 28. He says, but as for me, God's presence is my good. And then he tells you, how does he get in God's presence? He says, I have made the Lord God my refuge. I made the Lord my refuge. I did this. I am seeking him. I am pressing into him. I am spending time with him. Again, just candidly, if you're struggling, if you feel overwhelmed, if you're angry and disillusioned and, and isolated and disappointed and discouraged and you don't know where it's headed, will you do this? Will you press in? You're in control. Will you make God your refuge? And if you're not exactly sure how to do it, will you let us know? Will you fill out the connect card and say, I need help. Will someone help me? Will someone meet with me? Will someone pray for me? And the answer is yes. If you'll do it, we want to be here for you. And I know we're all, we're virtual and we're trying to figure out how to do this. But listen, we take this seriously. We want God's presence to be your good. <laughs> we want God's presence to be your good. And even though this world is uncertain right now, and it is shaky ground, and you may feel all kinds of discouraging emotions. Be in control. Press in. Find some help. Seek some help. We want to help you. We want you to know that the Lord God is your refuge. So that, the very last phrase, verse 28, look at it. So that I can tell about all you do. We want you to one day rise up and to say, I can tell you about how God changed my life. I was low, but God, he was there. I was discouraged, but God is faithful. I was slipping, but God is good. I was disillusioned, but God helped me see clearly. Will you press in? Will you do it? Make sure you're, you're engaged in one of our services online. All of our locations are meeting in person. We'd love to have you. Will, will you make sure you sign up for a, a small group in the coming weeks and months? That is a great way to press in. If you haven't got a Bible reading plan, will you do that? Will you, will you press into that? 
If you need some guidance and help, will you fill out the connect card? Will you do it? We want to help. We want to help. So I guess the challenge is really pretty clear, isn't it? This is the challenge. I, I want you, as this, as this service comes to a close, and I'm going to pray for you here in a minute, but I want you to do this. When, when the video's over, the service is done, would you just go around the room and maybe talk about some of the things that have been disappointing to you in the last four or five months? Would you do that? Just say, hey, this has been disappointing. This, this hurt. This was sad to me. This is something I lost and I'm, I'm disappointed in it. And then could you be honest to talk about how you responded to that? If you're discouraged, would you just be able to say, man, I'm, I'm discouraged. I'm starting to get disillusioned. I, I might be teetering on despair. Or maybe you said, hey, I was headed that way, but man, I reached out to a buddy and we started meeting together and, and now I'm, I'm entering into the presence of God. So would you do that? Would you tell people some things that you've been disappointed in and then how you responded, either discouragement, disillusionment, or finding some help? And if you haven't sought help yet, would you do it? Would you do it? We don't want you to go at this alone. And even though we may not be able to meet the way we have always been able to meet and have services the way we always used to, that doesn't mean that we can't be here for one another and we wanna help you. So with that said, I'm gonna pray for you and I'll be praying that at inner turmoil, that you'll begin to find peace and rest in the presence of God. Pray with me. Oh, Father, I... Uh, I mean, you know my heart right now. I feel that angst. I feel this turmoil. I feel it for my family. I feel it for Radius Church. I feel it for people I've been meeting with. I feel it. And I'm feeling it for our community. I'm feeling it for our nation. I'm feeling it for the world that we live right now in a time where we can utterly succumb to discouragement and disillusionment. And so Lord, I am praying right now for the folks that are watching this service that they would enter into your presence. They would fill out that connect card. They would pick up their Bible. They would call their friends. They would make sure that they take control and seek this out. So that's what we're asking, God. Thank you for being there. Thank you for always guiding us. Thank you for your presence. You never leave us or forsake us. We wanna trust in that. So Lord, we thank you because all of that is possible through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name we pray, amen.